0: Let's do this. Let's get into the word for about the next 20 minutes or so, and then we'll have communion time together. Let's pray. Father, as we just uh, steady our hearts and our minds to meet with you, hear from you, we pray that you are now um, dealing with us, Lord, with your compassion, with your love, and with your uh, patient hand. That is uh, both molding us, Lord, like clay on a potter's wheel, and comforting us, Lord. We just submit to you our minds this morning, our hearts this morning, any walls that we have set up, any hesitations that we have. Father, I pray that, that you would just dissolve those as we open your word. That our minds would be lost in considering heavenly things and not worried about the earthly things which we can't fix anyway. Lord, I pray would we would just be absorbed in your presence this morning. Together. Speak to us from your word. Your servants listen. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 14 Uh, we'll go ahead and read verses 22 and 23 and then we'll start the study immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up on the mountain by himself to pray now when evening came was alone there if you were seeking relationship advice and you went to someone who told you that uh, spending time together was a bad idea i mean if you really want your marriage to be successful the worst thing you could do is to spend time together i mean you should spend time apart to so get busy busy yourself doing activities so that you don't have to spend time with that person or what about for parents and kids? What, what if there was a, a stress between a relationship with parents and kids? And, and you went to a counselor, an advisor, someone you trusted, and they said, wow, you're having trouble in your relationship? Uh, I think that, that one of the things that's most important, I have to remember this, don't spend time together. Whatever you do, moms, dads, don't spend time with your kids. That'll just make things worse. That'll just cause trouble. You don't want to spend time together. Would you continue listening to that advice? I mean, you, we know instinctively, I mean, it's almost ludicrous when you hear it come out that way, it's silly to even think, because we know that any relationship, every relationship with anyone in whatever capacity depends on time together, whether it's a marriage relationship, a parenting relationship, a friendship, any type of relationship, if you want it to be vital, and you want it to be growing, and you want it to be enjoyable, you must be willing to spend time with that person yes or no i'm saying simple things here obvious things but why is it that the majority of us in this room have not taken our own advice or have taken that bad advice when it comes to a relationship with god if you want to be like jesus if you want to have joy in your walk, if you want to have vitality in your life and fruit in your ministry, there are two things that are going to be absolutely necessary. One is you're going to have to spend time with other people. There are no such things as solitary Christians. We see Jesus in this passage. the, The background is that he had gotten word that John the Baptist had been beheaded back in verse 10. John the Baptist had been Beheaded, the disciples took away the body. Verse 13 says, Jesus heard it. He departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. He he wanted some time alone after hearing about that. But his time alone got interrupted by ministry. And we all know about interruptions, don't we? So an interruption comes, a ministry need is apparent, and he takes the time, he teaches all day, he ministers, breaking the bread and handing it out to the disciples until... 5,000, actually probably 8,000 people total, 5,000 men plus women and children are fed. How long does it take to feed 8,000 people? Breaking bread, one piece at a time. That takes a while. But Jesus didn't have a problem spending time with other people. That was something that, that's where ministry happens. So you'll have to be spending time with other people. We'll talk more about that. But you will also, and this one may be harder for some, you will also have to spend time alone with God. And you're going to hear me say that a lot in the next 20 minutes. Alone with God. Alone with God. Jesus now, having fed the 5,000, saying, now now, where was I? And, and we pick up in verse 22 that he made his disciples get to the boat and go to the other side while he sent the multitudes away he had showed his compassion for the multitudes he administered powerfully miraculously teaching them and just like jesus if we are going to be christians and we are going to love one another you can't love one another if you never want to be around people and i know and i've talked to enough of you that coming into a group like this for some of you is like about as frightening a thing as you could ever do You're just coming in the doors and knowing that there's going to be a multitude here a gathering here you would rather be anywhere else on the face of the earth that's filled with fear anxiety just being here and i want to challenge you to come into this place like jesus came into a multitude not worrying about what others were thinking about him not worried about others were saying would say to him but thinking about how he could bless them when you come to church worried about how people think of you or what people are going to say about you. Or how people are perceiving you. Or they're going to talk about what you're wearing. Or, or how you're acting. Are they going to be judging you? Then all the thoughts are self-centered, right? And so that breeds fear and anxiety and all those things. But when you come into a multitude saying, hey, there are needs to be met. How can I meet those needs? Then the focus is not on me. The focus is on others. On loving them. You, as a Christian, if you're running a race... And your whole goal is to win the race. And there you are out in front. And you happen to catch a glimpse. You look back to see who's on your tail. Who's, who's chasing you down. And you look back and you see somebody sort of limping along in the back. If your goal is to win, then you, you forget about them and you press on to the, to the goal. But if your goal is to love, then winning is not so important. And you turn around and, and sort of love compels you to go and help someone that has a need. You're not thinking about, oh, if I do that, I'm, I'm going to lose. You're thinking, I know I'm, I must there must be someone some way I can, I can help that person out. And that's how we come into the multitude, ready with a heart. The Bible says, through love, serve one another. You, we need each other. We need unlovable people to love as Christians. And I'm willing to provide the unlovable part if you're willing to provide the love part. I'm okay with that. But that's just one part of our Christian life. Some of us do a very, uh, you know, now maybe you guys haven't noticed, but I'm an extrovert. I I don't know if you've noticed or not, but I am. So being with people for me is very easy. And for some of you, you, the whole of your Christian life, because you're afraid to be alone, is, is spent with people. It's in Bible studies. It's in corporate prayer meetings. It's in public time. All of that is that's the existence of your Christian life. That's it. But Jesus, I can hear him sigh as, as the end of verse 23. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. And I almost, as I read that, I go, ah, alone. I mean, you know that feeling when you've just had a party at your house or you've just had a lot of people over and it's been busy and it's been loud, and it's been noisy, and, and you send everybody and you just plop down the chair because it's draining, isn't it? Do you think Jesus was, was fully God, fully man? Do you think that ministry was not challenging for him? You think that it would not drain him to be ministering to people? Absolutely, it would. And now he is alone with God for prayer. He taught about solitary prayer, didn't he? When he spoke with the disciples, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, When you pray, and you should pray, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Their only prayer life is when, when they can be seen by people. Folks, if that's your only prayer life, you may be a hypocrite. If you're only, The only time you pray is when I say, okay, folks, let's bow our heads and pray. Or, or when you're in a group meeting, or when someone forces you to at a Bible study. If that's the only time you pray, then maybe you're in that place of hypocrite. Maybe there is no relationship with God. I don't know, only you can determine that but i do know this jesus said when you pray don't be only public about it uh, and don't be hypocritical about it but you go into where go into your closet go a place where you can be alone where no one's looking where no one's watching where where it's not about trying to impress people with king james english and flowery prayers where you're not even tempted by that why because you are alone with god and he already knows it he knows what's on your heart He knows who you are. You don't have to pretend. And so sometimes time alone can be the most genuine time of of being exposed before the Lord. Of just being real with God. We don't have to be worried about the language that we use. And and I think, you know, here Jesus is getting alone with God. He's, He's out of the limelight for a moment. I think Jesus, and I think we know from the scriptures, Jesus had a habit in his life this is not just an isolated incident where, wow, feeding 8,000, that's a lot harder than raising the dead. Now I've got to be alone. It, this is not an isolated incident. This is a habit of his life. Luke 5.16 says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Well, it was his regular practice. Luke 6.12, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. We find out in some of the other Gospels that he was considering his own future. He was part of why he's there to pray. I think part of what he's reflecting on, just speculation, I don't know. But John the Baptist has just been martyred. He shares with the disciples in the book of John that his suffering is coming. I wonder if he's just meditating on considering the future he's got to face. And saying, man, I just need to continue seeking the Lord about these things to come in my life. They're also trying to make him king. After he fed them all, they said, hey, this guy would be a great king. I mean, uh, uh, bread in every, uh, in, in every cupboard. Bread for everybody. Let's make him king. And they tried to take him and make him king. And, he, and as soon as they tried to do that, he said, I've got to be alone. I need some time alone. How in the world did Jesus find time to be alone? I mean, let's get real. This is America and we've got technology, we've got all... How in the world... Jesus, here's the son of God. God incarnate. We're just inundated with ministry, isn't he? I mean, we've seen it. People are throng... Multitudes are thronging him. People are... There's teaching to be done. There's, there's things to do. How in the world did a guy so popular find time to be alone with God? Well, Mark one thirty five says, Now in the morning... Having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. You see, Jesus got time whenever he could. Oftentimes for him, it was morning and evening. What time of day is it now? It's evening. He'd fed the, the multitudes, taught all day, and now it's late at night. He sends people away, and it's quiet. And he goes find a solitary place, and that's where he prays. Morning evening those are some of the best times to find time alone with God it's just almost remarkable that God even wants to spend time alone with us isn't it I mean that's the whole thing before we even talk about how or why or when do we find this time just the fact that that we have a God that desires and Jesus models a relationship that's dependent utterly and deeply dependent on time together that, that boggles my mind. The God, the creator of the universe, who holds the, the universe in the span of his hand, says, Lisa, I want to spend time with you. Says, Lorraine, I want to spend time with you. I want you to spend time with me. He's just waiting. The Bible says, draw close to God, and he will do what? Draw close to you. That's a beautiful thing. He got it when he could, early morning, late in the evening. So a couple of, you know, so, okay, so that's Jesus. But, you know, what about the rest of, of the biblical history? Who else spent time alone with God? And what was their result? What, what do we see happening in their lives as a result of their time alone with God? You've marked Genesis 32, right? Let's go to Genesis 32. And I'm not going to dwell on these passages. I don't want to take much more time on this. But I think it's important to see because I'm hoping that for some of you, at the end of this, this study, you're going to be saying, you know, praise the Lord, this, is, this has been a practice of my life, and yeah, amen, this is a, it's a wonderful thing, I couldn't live without it. Others of you are going to be very, very challenged today, and I hope that you are as I have been by thinking on these things. Genesis 32, this is the story of uh, Jacob, look at verse 22. He rose that night, this is Jacob speaking, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the fort of Jabbok. I mean, when you've got two wives and two servants and eleven sons, it's hard to get quiet time, isn't it? So he took them, and he sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Look at it, verse 24, there it is. Then Jacob was left, what? Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him, capital M, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's Jacob speaking there. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, or governed by God. For you have struggled with God and man and have prevailed. Now, the picture sometimes we have here that Jacob has God in a headlock, you know, and all right, God, I'm not letting you go till you bless me, and that Jacob somehow is in control of the situation. God just uh, touches the hip and, oh, you know, the hip is out of socket and Jacob's now limping. So get the right picture here. Jacob is just barely hanging on. He's alone with God and he's, and, and God comes to him. Look, all you have to do is find the time to get alone god will meet you there and sometimes he will come to wrestle with you there sometimes he will come to at, at a tough time in your life at a difficult time in your life and he will come to you and wrestle with you there and you get to the point where you are saying god i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm not letting go of you maybe you've been thinking about falling away thinking about turning away thinking about backsliding considering walking away from the lord and you get alone with god and he wrestles with you where else are you going to go what else are you going to do? Only I have the words of eternal life. And he begins to wrestle with you in that way. And then you say, oh, Lord, there's nowhere else I can go. And so you begin to hang on. Any of you felt like that? Like today, I'm, 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 I'm not running. I'm not leaping for joy. I'm just barely hanging on. Alone time is a great time to work out those things. Look at verse, uh, excuse me, look at chapter uh, 33 of Exodus. Just a, a handful of pages to the right. Not even a handful. Exodus 33. We read this passage with Gail Irwin when he was here. Look at verse 18 of chapter 33. This is Moses speaking. He says, please show me your glory. What a great request, God. I want to see your glory. And God says, verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Now, jump down to verse uh, 2 of chapter 34. He tells Moses, uh, make a couple of more tablets like the one that you broke. And it says in verse 2, so be ready in the morning and come up in the morning. Again, early in the morning, God says, this is when I want you to come to see me. To Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. Look at verse 3, here it is. And no man shall come up with you. And let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Moses, when you come to meet me, you want to see my glory? You want to know what I'm all about? You want to understand my grace, my compassion, my love, my You want to understand who I am? Then you come see me alone. Beautiful, isn't it? Those are the only two passages I had you mark, but just in in quick succession, think about Elijah on on Mount Carmel ministering publicly, having great success calling down fire from heaven, and then running from the wicked queen jezebel he finds himself alone in a cave and that's when he hears god's still small voice see he thought god only showed up in the miraculous the amazing but when he got alone with god he realized that god speaks in a still small voice that sometimes you have to be still to hear what have we missed out for lack of alone time with god What about revelation? What about new things, new understandings about God? The Apostle John. The book of Revelation written where? In isolation on the island of Patmos. He had been exiled there and was what? Alone. Daniel. Same thing. Tremendous. God shows him secrets of the future. When? When he's alone. As it was his practice to be. Trust me, folks, and I want to challenge you greatly with this. All you have to do is make the time to be alone with God. And you will be amazed at what God can reveal to you when you pay attention. A couple of other things before we go to communion together. So that's the Bible. What about people? What about men and Christian men and women that have ministered, that have come before us? Charles Stanley said we can be tired weary and emotionally distraught but after spending time alone with god we find that he injects into our bodies energy power and strength some of you are nodding like yeah amen been there needed that Uh, this is the i'll read one more this is john piper in his book desiring god a famous cigarette billboard pictures a curly-headed bronze-faced muscular macho with a cigarette hanging out the side of his mouth The sign says, where a man belongs. That is a lie. Where a man belongs is at the bedside of his children, leading in devotion and prayer. Where a man belongs is leading his family to the house of God. Where a man belongs is up early and alone with God, seeking vision and direction for his family. If you are a Christian, if you want to live the Christian life, if you want it to be meaningful and genuine, I mean, you can play church if you want. You can show up here. You know, listen to the Bible study, go home and go about your business. You can do that if you want. But why would you bother when God says, when the God of the universe says, I I want your presence. I want to, you know, sometimes Helga and I, you know, life gets busy, doesn't it? And and we're running this direction and that direction. And and sometimes even just when Helga and I are around the house, uh, rather than one being upstairs, the other being downstairs, we'll, we'll just have this feeling we just want to be in each other's presence. Just being together. There's something that's necessary about that. When is the last time you've been alone? I mean, really alone with God. You know, we're inundated, folks, with media, Facebook, YouTube videos. I mean, that stuff's addictive. I can just, one thing leads to another, leads to another, and pretty soon two and a half hours are gone. Where did it go? And what have I benefited from it? And we are so plugged in to one another. I sat in an airport. Uh, I was going to uh, Las Vegas for a conference. And and I was sitting in the airport just watching people because I love to watch people. And everybody was on their phone in the airport. I mean, just everybody walking around like this, talking to one another. And I just, that was the moment for me. We have those moments where I just realized I was just so content sitting there and I was talking to God about all the people I was watching on their cell phones, just connected. And I thought, we really, really are afraid to be alone. And so we seek to fill that aloneness void simply with other people all the time. And I think that there is something of, of that aloneness that can only be satisfied in spending time with God. I really do. So how do we put it into practice in our lives? Number one, you have got to want it. You have got to want When you are young and in love, when you're recently married or dating or engaged, man, wild horses couldn't keep you guys apart. I mean, you will do anything to be with that other person. You'll drive miles. You'll spend hours. You'll, you'll sacrifice all kinds of stuff just because you want to be together. It shouldn't be hard, folks, when we have that relationship with God, as I think Jesus did. You have to know where you're going. This has to be a priority. You have to say, hey, you know, I've never thought about it before, but wow, being alone with God must be important. There was a young boy who was, uh, had a bow and arrow, was shooting arrows at the side of a barn. And a guy drives up, uh, drives past the, the young boy, and he sees the barn has like six or seven bullseyes painted on it big targets and right in the center of these six or seven bullseyes is an arrow in the dead center of every one of them i mean every one and the guy is astonished he pulls back and he gets out he talks to the boy with his little bow and arrow he says you are an incredible archer How, how in the world did you manage to do that and he says oh gee mister it wasn't that hard i just shoot arrows at the side of the barn and wherever they land i paint a bullseye Some of us, that's how we live. We're just kind of shooting randomly in life. And wherever we land, well, I guess that's where we're supposed to be. I, I think, how did Jesus end up in verse 22 in prayer when he got interrupted back in verse 13? Because he knew what had to be done. It was constantly in his sights. Even if he couldn't do it right now, even if he was interrupted at this moment, he knew eventually what he was aiming at. So eventually, when the opportunity availed itself, okay, now I can do it. Man, we're all at different stages in life, different situations. How do I make it a practice in my life? Number one, you have to want it. Number two, you have to take the opportunity when you can get it. Moms raising young kids. Dads working shift work. Maybe it's lunchtime. Uh, Maybe it's in the evening. Whenever you can get it, I don't know. You just got to say, I want it. And, And rather than turning on the TV rather than cranking up the YouTube videos, rather than getting on the Facebook. Say, so, you know what, I'm going to take this time, I'm going to go for a walk outside. I'm going to go sit in the woods, or going to go, sit, uh, go, go find a playground, go sit on a bench, anywhere. And I'm just going to let my mind be absorbed in the things of heaven. Just let my mind focus on the Lord. You don't have to take your Bible with you. Just go and say, Lord, I'm just going to talk to you about some things in my life. But, but, Pastor, we you know I drive a lot. I, I spend 45 minutes commuting a day, and that's a good time to be with the Lord, right? Well, it's good to redeem that time, but I don't think that's sufficient. Just my personal opinion. You can disagree with me if you like. Um, there's one thing that happens when Helga and I drive together in the car into Charlottesville. We spend time bantering back and forth. Sometimes the radio's on. We're just talking, and, and I'm driving and you know paying attention to that. And don't tell Helga that I'm not listening totally to her because I'm driving. But, no. Um, I can multitask somewhat. But there's just a difference between then when we're, then when we're on the couch at home, just sitting face-to-face and with able, to, able to concentrate on, on what we're saying and what's being said. Folks, early morning, in the evening, great times. Psalm 119, 147 says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Final thing. You have to be willing to give something up. You can't do it all. You can't do it all. We can try, and we do try, don't we? We try to fit it all in. And that's why we multitask. So God, I'm going to spend time with you while I'm on my way to work. I'm going to multitask and fit it in. And I'm going to challenge you to change that. I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself as you leave today, what am I going to have to sacrifice to spend time alone with God? Where am I going to get it? I think that, that Jesus' life exemplifies it. I think the history of Christianity encourages it. And I think that you and I can't truly live without it. Now, if, if those that are serving communion would, would come up, please. And, and pr- Actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that's premature. Stay seated where you are. Nick, and, and I don't know who's playing... You guys can play some music as we prepare our hearts? Just some simple questions to ask yourself as we prepare for communion. I mean, this is, this is what we're talking about, isn't it? This is communion with God, sharing together. I would love to tell you my life in this area has been completely victorious and consistent. It's not. It's just a struggle sometimes. Sometimes I do better than others. But I know where I'm supposed to be. As Jesus knew where he was supposed to be. He, just like Jacob, he, sent, he said, Guys, disciples, uh, the ministry is, is through. We've done what we had to do. It's time for you. He compelled them. He said, You must get in the boat and go, go to the other side. And there's sometimes you say, Kids, go play in your room. Let we'll me put a program on for you, I'll put a veggie tails in for you. I'm going to sit over here and have some quiet time. Or husbands, wives, support one another. Say, hey, honey, you you need some quiet time with the Lord, I can tell. You're looking a little fried, a little stressed out. (laughs) You need some quiet time with God. Don't make me have quiet time with God, then I'll get convicted about being a bear when I get home from work. Support one another. The youth, the youth are in here with us today. Man, school is busy homework and sports and athletics. I know. You need to. Daniel was a young man who found time with God. So as we come to the communion time, for you, again, there's both types here. Some of you are going, praise the Lord, it's been my habit for years to spend time with God, ever since I retired, (laughs) or the kids moved out of the house, you know. Some, of, some are single. Some are retired. There's different places and different stages in life we are. And so we don't set a time, you know, hour a day. That's what it is. It's whatever you can, whatever you can give God. Something. If it's five minutes, if it's ten minutes, what has to change for you, Christian? These guys are going to uh, lead us in a little song just to kind of get our hearts prepared for communion time. And then we'll have some time of sharing together as well. If this has been a challenge for you, just put your hand up. I mean, if this is... If, wow, we have a whole... It's been a challenge for me. I mean, this passage has been working on me personally. No doubt, while I was speaking, I know God takes your hearts and minds all over places. And so now's the time that we can uh, just share with one another kind of what God is speaking to us uh, from the word. If you've got your Bibles there, you can open that up and stand up and share a verse. So as we again continue to prepare our hearts for, uh, for the communion time, if you have a word on your heart that you think would be beneficial to the group, you have the freedom to stand up and share that one at a time, please. Amen. Thanks, Gina. The folks that are uh, going to serve communion now could could come up and take the elements. And as the elements are passed around, some of you may be new here and uh, not sure what to do. We hold on to them until uh, everybody has been served and we will partake together. If you are uh, not a believer, if someone, uh, as we say, if you have a drug problem and someone drug you here today and you're not saved or you don't know the Lord and you've heard about the spending time alone with God stuff and you're not even sure who this God is, or don't feel compelled that just because we're all partaking of this that you have to. We invite you to understand what it means not to take in a little cup of juice and a little piece of matzah, but really to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into you. And and we would be glad to explain more about that if you had a desire and interest to know. But if you know that your heart and inside something is telling you that you need the God we've been speaking of, a God who desires you, who wants to know you and spend time with you, who loves you, then please feel free to... Um, to partake and, and and enjoy this blessing that's coming around you all may begin to serve um, but if you're not sure and you don't want to participate in this then please just let the elements pass by and uh, you can just observe and and make your decision at some point but as as ed said um, we I, you know i'm not a scary tactic guy i'm not like scare you into getting saved. I'm not a cheerleader in that way or anything manipulative like that. But that's just sharing the reality that life is a vapor. And and that's his encouragement, I think, to, you know, again, not to scare you into salvation, but to um, to wake you up and, and to recognizing that there are no guarantees for tomorrow. So as the elements come around, just consider the things that you've heard. 1 John 1, 5. Not the typical communion passage, but I think I'll share that with you this morning. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship him, with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That fellowship word is communion. If we say we have communion with God and yet we continue to walk in darkness, uh, then we are uh, lying and, and not practicing the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, walk in darkness. But if we walk in the light, out in the open, truthful, honest, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. If we walk in darkness, it not only affects our fellowship with God, but it affects our fellowship with each other. Darkness makes it very difficult. Lying to one another in that way. But if we walk in the light, you have nothing to fear when you're honest about who you are when you're honest about your life, your walk with God. We walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. See, You don't have to be afraid to boldly say, yes, I have fallen into sin. Yes, I have struggled in this way. Rather than to continue hiding it. Continue running from it, trying to sneak and, and, and not let people know What's really going on in your life? Yes, God wants to heal you of those things and minister to you. In the first place, as we sit here holding the cup and the bread, is honesty. First is to be honest with yourself. I need Jesus because I sin. And if I confess that that is true and continue to confess that that is true, I don't have to worry about God's con- Well, it's about time you admitted that, Steve. Now I can really lay down the hammer on you. It's not what he says, is it? He says if we're honest about those things, he says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from how much sin? All sin. Is there a sin that you think that God can't cleanse? Is there, is there something dirty in your life that you think that Jesus can't handle? that his love and his grace can only go this deep, but you've gone this deep and that's beyond the reach of God, the Bible says that's not true. If we say we have no sin, you might be sitting here saying, well, I'm a good person. I'm not a sinner. I don't have those troubles. I don't have that struggle. I'd like to meet you after the service uh, so I can shake your hand. Because the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you think you're a good person, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. Do you think you've got it all right all the time in all situations? But, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. And that's the communion story. Honesty with God, his not desire to condemn us or to distance from us. His desire is to do just what we've talked about this whole time this morning. His desire is to take away anything, anything that keeps us separate from him. Anything. And it's nothing on his side. The communion is about God clearing the way making every road open so that you can come to him. The only hang-up is on our end, whether or not we will. We will accept his forgiveness. We will accept his cleansing for our lives. And that, my friends, is, is up to you. So as we partake of communion, uh, we can give thanks, that every, every barrier has been taken away. And even now, when we do stumble into sin, hey, it's cleansed. it's cleansed. What you, the way you talked yesterday, the thing you said, the joke you told, the thing you watched last night on TV that you knew you shouldn't be watching but watched anyway, and you're feeling convicted about it or guilty about it, Jesus says it's cleansed. Go and sin no more. It's cleansed. So as we partake together, when Jesus was, was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said take eat this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup the bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood so what you're holding in the cup is representative of uh, jesus's life not just a few drops of his blood this was his whole life and he gave his life for you and as we drink this in he said if you you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood that sounds weird but in taking in this it's it's again representative of, of us taking into ourselves the life of christ he has come to dwell in us Whatever you think about communion, however you see this time as a memorial or as this miraculously becomes the blood of Christ or whatever you see it, the real miracle, folks, is that the eternal God comes to dwell inside human flesh. He's dwelling in my life right now. And that's the the real miracle of the communion. He said, take this cup as often as you drink of it, the blood of the new covenant, you do it in remembrance of me. We'll just close with prayer rather than uh, any music this morning. Let's bow our heads for one last moment with the Lord before we get back into our busy day. Father, we thank you that the power of sin has been broken and that you have become poor so we could be rich. Father, this morning you have uh, been doing and are attempting to do a new work in in and among some of our lives, Lord. A work of putting away fears and putting away busyness and learning what it means to be alone with you and experiencing the benefit of that. Lord, so many things are beyond our comprehension. Today as we go out, Lord, I pray that... uh, The sky would look different. The music would sound different. And we would, in our hearts, truly long to be with you. We thank you for our time together, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. You are dismissed.